Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my extreme pleasure to bring you fantastic guests all the time, and today is no different. We actually have an in-studio guest today. I'm so excited. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Kent Billingsley, president and founder of the Revenue Growth Company and author, and I'm gonna mess this up, of Entrepreneur to Millionaire. Kent's focus is helping CEOs, business owners, and leaders dramatically scale sales, revenue, and profits while using the fewest resources possible doing it. And he is a repeat guest. So I'm sure you all caught him on our 100th episode when we were celebrating with our panel of experts talking about the future of hiring. So we're going to continue that conversation today. How are you doing, Kent? I'm doing great. Thank you. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. You know, I didn't get the chance to ask you this um, when you were on the panel for the 100th because we were trying to condense everything in. Yeah. But I really think it's important that we share with our audience the importance of networking. So how did you and I get connected? So it was a year ago, March, and I was giving a keynote speech at Success North Dallas, and uh, I believe you were in the audience, and I think you were the one asking the toughest questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, yeah, probably. But you know what? And I think if I remember correctly, I kind of used my influence, because, you know, I'm the chief of staff for Success yeah. North Dallas, to cut in front of the long line to get to you. Oh. And I was like, you have to come on our podcast. Oh, that's right. Yep. So that's right. yeah, that's how we connected. Absolutely. And so I, you have this wonderful book. We were just talking a little bit before we came on about the release yeah. and the timing of the release. But one thing I really want to talk about is who wrote the forward? I, you know, you probably never heard of the guy. He's uh, kind of quiet and demure and doesn't uh, raise too much of a, 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 a you know, noise out there in the marketplace, but Mark Cuban. Yes. And uh, matter of fact, he was just in the news today talking about uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. So uh, yeah, Mark, uh, Mark and I go back years and years and years. And so he, uh, he read the manuscript and uh, his, his, the, the deal I had with him is he said, if I, if I like the manuscript, I'll write the forward. And uh, that was years back that I, I set that up with him. And, and, and so I got the manuscript to him about a year and a half ago. He read it. He said, I like it. I said, do you want me to write the forward and then you edit it and all that? He goes, no, I'll write the forward and that's what you're gonna put in your book. And basically what's in the book is exactly the words and the email that he sent me after he read it. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it was fascinating. Even McGraw-Hill, the publisher was like, well, d we don't even need to edit this. This is good enough to go. So I, I want, there's a little excerpt on the front. Okay. And I don't have glasses on, so I can't read it. Okay. Can you read that one sentence? That From Mark. Mark yeah. I, I wish I had this book when I started my own company. And uh, his point was, he'd probably be worth $8 billion today if he would have had this book. But his point was that uh, there's just so many mistakes that we all make as entrepreneurs and business owners. And, and his thing is, you know, reading is, is really important. And he really stresses reading books and becoming smarter and trying mm -hmm. to avoid mistakes. This uh, 
learning how to fail or just keep making mistakes till you get it right, that, that doesn't work for anybody. It wastes a lot of time and resources. And so um, he's very much, I, I, uh, I knew him just after college. We went to the same college together, but I didn't know him there. I met him in the village here in, in Dallas huh. years back. And um, his whole premise was that, and, and the way he talks about it from the book is that all sales are not good sales. And, and you really got to focus on who are the right customers and how do you bring them in and how do you spend as little money doing it. The premise of the book is really about not how to start, run, and grow a business. There's a thousand books and speakers on that subject. This book is trying to teach you, well, how do you make the most money with your business? How do you stop trading your products and services for dollars? And how do you actually leverage the value of what you offer? It's a, it's a very interesting concept because most people aren't comfortable with that and they don't understand it. So they just go about their day banging their heads against the wall, trying to get their product mm -hmm. out there, trying to make money. And, and in reality, um, instead of pushing and fighting and going out after the market, get the market to come to you. Absolutely. So let's, let's go back a little bit in time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your career path and how you've grown to where you are now? Yeah, I uh, actually came down here in 1982. I spent five years with uh, PepsiCo Frito-Lay and kind of worked through the ranks. And I kept hearing stories about this Ross Perot guy. And, mm, and I didn't really understand what he did. But I said, I'm fascinated from his leadership. I have to go work for this guy. And so I went to work for Ross Pro years back in the mid 80s. And then um, back in 1995, while working in the company, uh, they had asked me to come in from the field and form a team and go out and look at their business units. and and not help them grow faster so much, but help them optimize. In other words, how do you how do you get the top line growth with minimum resources? How are you faster to market? How do you how do you increase profitability? And another thing was, how do we get better control of the business? In other words, how do we uh, how are we able to predict when we're going to make major contracts and sales? They had owned the market at that point. They had invented or created Ross did outsourcing, so they were the dominant player. But the competitors were coming at them from all angles, mm -hmm. and they said, "Can't help us." figure out how do, we, how do we stay ahead of the game. And so I did that 25 years ago and I was fascinated and, and here's what I learned and got me started and, and still doing this today now 25 years later is almost all companies out there, businesses, whether you're a pure startup and you've got a new product, you're a billion dollar uh, company, there are so many more levels of growth and potential inside your company that you will never be able to tap or unlock on your own. It takes a third party perspective. It takes somebody coming in from the outside to say, you know what, you might be the problem. Uh, you've got a cultural disconnect. You don't have the right processes. Your company's actually not designed to make the most money possible. It's only designed to deliver a product and service. And so that's the work I've been doing for the last 25 years. For the last 20, I've owned my own company. And today working with manufacturing firms, uh, charter schools, wealth management firms, I could just go down the list of several thousand companies in the last 20 years in about 38 countries. That is amazing. That's quite a career. And I think it's amazing that you're able to take those strategies that you've come up with and put them into a book so concise <laughs> that you're able to teach people how to repeat what you're doing yeah. in such a great way. And I remember you telling me when we first met, um, when we were just sitting down, just you and I talking, that it has been said that you have to read this book three times to really get it. Yeah, it, 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 and I've heard that many times. Or I've had clients say, Ken, I've heard you say this three times, and it just didn't connect. And, and I, I think the reason for that is what I, what I hear back after we talk through that is so many people are stuck in last century's paradigms. Mm -hmm. So many people are stuck in, uh, this is just the way to do things. So I'll give you a great example of, uh, here's a classic. We well, have to spend money to make money. 
Yes. Right? Um, sales is a numbers game. And I could go down, there's lots of myths in there, and I do a whole blog on myths, and there's these things that we've had them anchored in our brain and they become part of our DNA, and they're falsehoods. No, uh, you don't need to spend money to make money. You can make money without spending a dollar if you can learn how, if you can follow a roadmap. And, and so it's interesting, the book in a way kind of took me 20 years to write, but it took me 20 years to prove and validate mm. that the principles in the book can work for anybody, anywhere, anytime, any type of company. I'm working with a nonprofit right now, $80 million nonprofit. I'm working with a for-profit manufacturing company. I mean, we've got clients in our portfolio of all types and sizes that are following this roadmap in how to create wealth and create competitive positioning uh, and not spend another dollar on marketing or hiring more salespeople. Now, you're a recruiter. Yes. <laughs> you want them to hire more salespeople. <laughs> I do too. And what's interesting is most companies have the right headcount, but they have the wrong people. Yes. And so our jobs, both of our jobs together, is how do we get them the right people? I just had lunch with a client yesterday. When I walked in their offices about 10 years ago, they had one salesperson, or they had five salespeople. They were making about $500,000. I asked him yesterday, I said, what are you guys making today? Because I rebuilt the sales force. Mm -hmm. I've worked with them for years, almost 10 years. He said, we're going to do 10 million this year. And I said, how many salespeople do you have now? He goes, we still have one. You helped us hire a few years ago. Wow. One salesperson is helping produce $10 million in revenue. They used to have five producing about half a million. I need to hire that person. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, and, and that's the point. And now when they're looking for number two and they want to get to 20 million, I'm going to call you and we're going to, we're going to find that next person to put in there, that next talent. So, Excellent. Um, but, but the reason you need to read this several times is you're going to hear things or read things like, oh, I'm not comfortable with that or that's yep. different. That's not what I've been told in the other 300 books I've read or the, or, or the company that's calling me every day or sending me things on LinkedIn. I want to help you grow your business. Here's what's interesting. I don't want to help you grow your business. I want to help you grow revenue against your assets to create wealth. That's a completely different mindset. The reason, and I just did a webinar on this, is the reason is that companies, as they get bigger, they grow the top line, they increase the revenue. What's interesting is we watch their expenses and costs and all things just go right with it. And so there's this little itty bitty profit mm -hmm. that's made and left over. And then they just spend years and years and years making a little bit more profit. And they're on this treadmill. And then, and then this is why 98% of companies have cash struggles. They don't have enough cash on hand. They don't have any working capital. They have inconsistent cash flow and they're, they have greater receivables. That's not the joy of owning a business. That's the misery. And too many people, too many companies are living the stress, the toxicity, and, and, and just the, the pain of running a business, and especially with COVID and other now supply chain and inflation. That's not how business should be. Business should be fun. It should be joyful. You should be bringing uh, phenomenal value to your marketplace and kicking your competitors' butts. Exactly. Can I, can I say that? You can. You can. <laughs> so I'm curious. You yeah. know, we really speak to our job seekers and you know those that are in a role where maybe they're not completely satisfied, right? Yeah. So how would you apply? And I know you typically work with sales professionals, right? All, all kinds. All I, kinds. Leadership, uh, every position, C level. I help. I build teams of all types and sizes of. Of, of startups to large corporations, yeah. So how can people apply those sales skills today in any role? Yeah, yeah. So if, if we dial back and not be salesy or be a salesperson where I'm trying to get something sold, that's the first thing we do. We deprogram, we deprogram thousands of salespeople and say, stop selling, shut up. Right. Nobody wants you. <laughs> Nobody wants your Nobody sales Nobody likes those cold calls. That's why you oh, get hung yeah, up on. Yeah, exactly. And so. 
I, I want your audience that's thinking about a, a new job or interviewing, I want you to think of, don't even be a salesperson, be a business person. When you're going into an interview, don't go in to sell yourself and promote mm-hmm. yourself and sell your background. No, go in there. The only reason you're actually having the meeting is there's a business problem. Mm-hmm. So when I'm hiring somebody, I'm looking at that individual, if they're a salesperson or whomever, and I'm saying, uh, I can read what you've done and tell me about your background, but help me understand how you're going to solve the problem I have right now. I have an open head count or I'm, I'm trying to grow or I'm, I'm missing an engineering person or something. I've got a business problem. You need to present who you are and what you do to solve the business problem. Now, when we look at it from a business standpoint, one of the things that we discuss or talk about that salespeople don't is risk. The hiring manager is looking at the person saying, okay, I like all this and, and I see what you've got and what you can offer me, but you also represent risk. Mm-hmm. Talk through with me how you as a candidate are going to manage the risk of coming on board and becoming productive and making sure I eventually get a return on the investment in you. For example, and I talk about this in the book, if you're a salesperson trying to get a job, I've never met a salesperson that could tell me how many categories of cost they're going to bring to a company. It's eight categories of cost. So as a hiring manager, I'm looking at the salesperson that's, that's now interviewing with me, and I'm looking at you going, dollar, si- dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. Um, how fast will you produ- be productive? How fast can you turn revenue? How fast can you make me money? Because if you fail, like 98% of all mm-hmm. first sales hires, those are sunk costs and sunk time I'll never get back. So that person on the other side, the person that's interviewing, they've got to talk through how they're going to help solve the business problem. They're going to bring both value and risk and help manage that risk. And, and when they can position it that way, now all of a sudden the hiring manager, either that person or up above, who's got to sign off on the headcount, can look at that and go, here's where I get my ROI. Here's how I can manage my risk of hiring because you know the, the, the disaster that happens when there's a wrong hire. It oh. affects everybody. Yes. And, and it's painful. And now, now the company's got a problem, the person that got fired has a problem. It's the just, recruiter has a problem if we're in our guarantee yes. period. That's right. Yeah, you got to replace. And yeah, you got to start all over, and now you got to get double work for. And now you're working pay. for free because you're doing a free replacement. Yeah, and, and so I, I, I want them to be uh, sales in the sense of if if pure sales is solving a business problem and that's your focus, and not not closing the sale as your goal. If mm-hmm. your focus is, let me just understand your problem. What are you most worried about? Is it is it the risk? Is it the return? Is it how soon can I bring value? If you'll approach it like that from a, a, a old school sales standpoint, mm-hmm. where you're not putting yourself first or just trying to get the hire, th- then great things can happen. You know, one of my mentors always tells me, okay, let me make sure I'm gonna get this right. Stop acting like a seller and start thinking like a buyer. And I think that that's what I'm hearing when you're saying that is you're like, really put yourself in their shoes. Don't try to sell yourself first. Don't say me, me, me but go into it so that you can see how you can solve that problem for the business. It, 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 yeah, exactly, because the, you're, you're, at a, you're at a buying situation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, the buyer is in that situation, situation because they have a problem. They have, a, they have an open head count. They have productions not getting satisfied. They have sales that aren't being made, something. And so, yeah, present that. Now, having said that, let me give you the other side because this is really important. Because um, the mistake I see that most candidates make is they sell what they've done or they sell uh, what they've been or they sell their title or role. Stop. You, you've okay. already lost me. Right. When I read through a resume, there's two things I look for. I look at the dates of, I've hired thousands, I've helped hire tens of thousands. 
maybe 100,000 through my clients. I, I look at the dates. How often have they been different places? Yep. Because the first thing that makes me nervous is people that jump around and skip around. Mm -hmm. The second thing I look for in a resume, and this is gonna be really crazy here, I look at numbers, statistics, dollars. I look at financial specific impact. If that's not on there, this stuff is fluff. And, and I, this is something I've been saying for years, I think the resume is the greatest form of false advertising in the world. Oh, can I get a high five on that? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's garbage. Bull. And it's garbage. <laughs> like job descriptions are bull. Uh, well, yeah, they're cut and paste. And yes. now with title inflation, oh, you were president of your last three companies and that's why you got fired, okay. Um, so I look through there and I, and I check real quickly for specificity. If it's mm -hmm. not in there, I don't know if it's gonna be worth the time to talk to them. Because if they don't know the impact they had on their last employer, there's no way they're going to understand the impact they can have with me. Absolutely. We call that made, saved, achieved. Okay. And that's what we really look for. But I will be completely honest with you. The resumes I've been getting lately have been horrendous. Yeah. And I have been highly recommending that candidates go to a certified resume writer. Um, and that's a thing. There's a real designation, a class, yeah. everything yeah. for yeah. that. Um, and tell them your story and let because they're going to pull that information out of you and they're going to put it like they know where it needs to go on the resume and that's going to help yeah. you stand out from other people that are applying but also you know get the attention of the hiring manager yeah let me go ahead and coach your audience right now here's how to do that is you just put down and say i was uh, i had this role or i had this job for two or three years and my question is so what and what financial <laughs> impact did you have on the company and, and I'm very important, and, and let me lay that out to be real clear here. When I say, what financial impact did you have on the company? How much money did you help the company make? Mm -hmm. Or how much money did you help the company save? If you don't know or don't understand that, then you really don't know how you're adding value to a company. Because everyone in the company today must add or save money to the business. And if not, you have to wonder about the role. I think I spend a lot of money for VIP. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're real sure what their ROI is yet. But what's interesting is, see, the, the candidates don't make the job easy for the hiring manager. They make it difficult. So now all of a sudden, even through stack ranking and all the other stuff and, and some of the things we teach, um, not stack ranking, we do other things. But now all of a sudden you've got like five resumes. It's like, how do I choose? And now we're going to look back at who, who brings impact, who, who's brought results, mm -hmm. who can bring tangible or measurable value. Um, that lowers risk. That's a better hire than somebody that's got the fluffy resume or all the references and things like that. So, Okay. So you recently wrote a post, and I wanted to read this verbatim, called, Your Biggest Sales Problem is Not Your Sales People, in which you describe that managers often blame the sales people for sales problems. And, you know, why do so many leaders do that? Why do they blame, you know, the, the attack the person and not the cause? And I just, I love that article because I am a salesperson. Right, right. So a couple of things there. First of all, they're not a leader. Mm hmm their manager. So <laughs> right out of the gate, they've got a problem. And, and a leader looks at the big picture and understands all the parts and pieces. A manager looks down and looks at the person and goes, man, it's just not working. It must be you. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so when, when we teach systems thinking and when we help companies understand it's a system at the end of the mm -hmm. day, um, and, and my phone typically rings because there's a marketing problem or sales problem or a growth problem. I go in there and I ask some questions, I look around and they'll say, well, I got a problem with my sales team or my marketing's not working or something's happening. And it's interesting, that's almost always a symptom. Okay. The, the, the salesperson that's not hitting their numbers, the salesperson that's struggling. 
And what's interesting is I step back and once we do further analysis or maybe a formal assessment, we uncover, well, you know what? You're actually calling on the wrong marketplace. Uh, your messaging is mushy. You, you, you've got the wrong business model. I mean, you don't, you've never framed the FMP as I talk about in the book. There's so many mistakes you've made in revenue ready and market ready, which are phases in my book, that now that you're in go-to-market with one of the most expensive assets you have in a company, a salesperson with those eight categories of cost and sometimes a base salary of $100,000, $150,000, we're talking half a million to a million dollars worth of expense and, and investment, um, and yet they're set up for failure. Mm -hmm. and, and yet what I have just found fascinating in my 25, 30 years of optimizing growing companies is 98% of all interventions are people-related. Fix you, train you, torture you, turn you. <laughs> when only 1% of the time is it actually ever the person. Well, what if I've got a really bad salesperson? I go, your system let them in. What if my salesperson's not motivated? I go, I bet it's comp. I bet it's the reward system that doesn't have them motivated. It's always, almost always something. Now, are there bad apples? Yeah, I, I've run pretty large sales organizations. I've had the person that becomes the alcoholic. I've had the person going through the divorce and disappears. Mm -hmm. I've had the, the, uh, uh, the, the addiction, but I've helped them through those things. I've helped them get through that, um, but I made sure my system brought in the best people possible. But yep. when somebody goes off the rails or somebody has a problem, 1% of the time, they do need an intervention that can help them. I've sent people to AA, I've sent people to addiction, and I've said, look, here's the deal, you're gonna go to this recovery process, and if you pass and graduate, you can come back. If you don't, go away. But it's so, so rare, I could say like maybe one in a thousand, but in almost all cases when we're talking about the salesperson, and I, I came up through the sales ranks of, of companies, um, I just remember w what times I was set up for success, but most of the time I was set up for failure. And, and it was so frustrating, and I had to win in spite of the company, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's not how it should and be. And they took credit. Oh, always. <laughs> uh, and that's not how it should be. And uh, we, we should build the company, oh, here's another mistake that's made is, we put salespeople at the center of the universe. In other words, uh, we make the salesperson basically responsible for the success and growth of the company. That is a completely flawed model, but it's a very popular model from last century. And, and, and the, the reason it's flawed today, and it wasn't in the past, is most companies today are in complex sales, not simple sales. Okay. And, and, and so in complex sales, it, uh, complex sales is, is meaning like you have competencies like uh, the ability to navigate through corporations, the ability to find influencers versus decision makers. There's a lot of uh, very important competencies. Only, and I used to say one in a thousand salespeople today have all the competencies for a complex sale. Today it's gotten worse, it's about one in 2,500. So what I mean by that and what's important for salespeople and people that are hiring salespeople is that if they are the center of the universe, your company's success is best basically resting on the shoulders of people who are incompetent. Hmm. That's not good. No. It sets them up for failure and sets you up for failure. Or failure another way, because people go, well, we're, we're growing, we're doing okay. Inconsistencies. Yes. And here's a great example. 97% of all forecasting is a joke. It's voodoo, <laughs> it's silly, it's, it's waste of time. Because that's a competency and they've never been taught or trained how do you act. And I have a whole chapter in there about not pipeline management, pipeline acceleration. Because the ultimate competency is not getting people into the pipeline, filling it with prospects, the, pro the pregnant pipeline that never goes anywhere. Mm -hmm. The real competency is how fast does someone go into the pipeline and then become a customer or client. It's the speed that's the competency. And that's one of the things we measure for, that's one of the things we develop for. You can't train that. 
You train skills, but you develop for competencies. That's another huge mistake out here is all this money and time spent on sales training, they're not skills anymore, not in complex sales. They're competencies, which are clusters of skills. Okay. For an example, a boardroom presentation, whether it's the first presentation or the final presentation, there are basically 15 skill sets required for a boardroom presentation. They, 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 some can be trained, but they've got to be measured by proficiency, not, not the skill itself, if that makes sense. And so uh, a, prof a competency is the ability to uh, do a repeatable result uh, and consistently. Yet most sales organizations, they're not developed in that way. It's more just throw them out there and see what sticks. Okay, I have two questions for I, you. I was gonna say, I could go on for you. We got, I have two questions. Okay, yeah. so number one, yeah. if I'm a hiring manager, a yes. company, not necessarily an entrepreneur, yeah. do I wanna read this book? I, oh my gosh, yes you do, because a couple of reasons. One of them is that book is gonna help you understand, um, and that could be CEO to a millionaire, it could be on, employee to millionaire, it could be leader to millionaire. I just picked entrepreneur because it's a key word that everybody loves, okay? <laughs> and but I can't can pronounce very well. You can replace that word with anything, and what it's going to do is it's gonna teach you how to bring more value to your company. Because every company now today is saying, how do we, how do we make more from less, not more from more? Mm -hmm. And so if you can play a role in helping your company generate more sales, revenue, and profits, using less time and resources, you bring tremendous value. That's the first reason for anybody and everybody. As an employee, you wanna be part of a company that's driven to make as much money as possible to reward you and, and, mm -hmm. and compensate you for your value. But here's the thing for the hiring manager. There is a whole chapter, and I could have written probably three books on this topic, and I call it talent optimization. And, and if you're a hiring manager or a leader today and you don't understand these four parts of this system uh, regarding talent, first, not never hire another employee, only talent. And I explain what talent is and I explain how to measure it. Those are the first two things that most HR departments don't understand that. But it's a system if you really wanna be interviewing talent, not just who you can get. Mm -hmm. It starts with attraction. If you're not attracting top talent, then you're not hiring top talent. And in most cases, they're not. Second is, um, how do we attract them? How do we acclimate? So now, forget the onboarding. How do we really bring them into our culture? How do we really yes. develop their competency? There is no one you will hire that will have every competency you need. It's impossible. So now, your acclimation program must develop that yes. competency. And if it's not, not skills training, not sending them off to class for a week, or onboarding. This is truly acclimation to perform at the highest levels. This can take a few weeks. To, I, I was in uh, EDS acclimation program. It was 13 months. Wow. I wasn't allowed to make a sales call for 13 months because they were developing every skill set from dress to dining to negotiating to um, selling to boardroom presence. I mean, they, the whole thing, they wouldn't let you go out until you had all those competencies. And, and the, the third part that, that you must understand as a leader or as a hiring manager is attraction, acclimation, development, mm -hmm. okay? What's that? That's ongoing. So there's, a, there's an acclimation where you develop them to be proficient but then they should constantly be developing you forever. There should always be programs and there should always be things they can be giving you. Um, and you should be doing it on your own as well as you, there should be corporate development or even you know for small companies uh, sending you to the right webinars and seminars, yes. anything to constantly be developing you because these competencies are evolving and changing so fast. And then the last part and the key part, and this is always a mess in every company and I go in and fix it. I've, I've rewired the last 500 comp programs I've looked at. Is, so after attraction, acclimation, development, care. Now care is not just compensation and dollars, but care is actually uh, three things. It's rewards, recognition, and reinforcement. 
Mm. As a leader, you have to understand all three. And, and if you don't understand all three, you're probably overpaying. Your salaries are probably too high. Um, a lot of people, uh, your talent isn't going to come for the money. They're going to come from the package. They're going to come for, yes. if I produce, what's in it for me? W too many managers, they're overpaying in salaries today. I, it, I ran a very successful software firm back over here. I took them from $2 million to $38 million in two and a half years. When I hired people, almost, I'd say 70% had to take a pay cut to come work for me. But my package was triple what they could earn anywhere else. Mm. So you produce, you've got the goods, you're going to make a lot of money. If you're a pretender or a player and gamer, first of all, you probably wouldn't get through my system. But, right. but the second um, is you're just, you're not going to be able to produce any money. What were the results? Well, I had, I had three people in one year make more than a million dollars in software sales. And I tell you what, I had a lot of CEOs and friends tell me, that's ridiculous. You never want to pay that much money. I said, why not? I have no attraction issues now. I have every major software salesperson in the world wanting to work for me. Right. HR never had to go source, and and I but I still use recruiters. And here's how I use recruiters. I'll tell you. I hope you appreciate this. <laughs> oh I would boy. call recruiters. I'd call down in Austin or down in uh, here in Dallas, but down I used a lot out of uh, Houston. I'd say here's here's the deal. You don't have to do any work. All you have to do is get me a coffee with the top player over at uh, BMC Harris, Tivoli, HP, one of these. I'd, I'd pick the company and I'd get the name or I'd have you get the name. Mm -hmm. Get me a coffee with them. I'll, I'll go manage them to close them, right? And out of 17 proposals, I got 15 people hired. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll bring them in and I'll pay you your full fees. All you have to do is make the introduction because I'm gonna go have a talk with them and talk about are, 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 where do you want to, what do you wanna do with your career? Do you want, are you in this uh, to be incredibly successful uh, and to make a lot of money for the firm? The firm comes first, and if so, we can work together. But here's the rule, you gotta work in my system because I've spent decades around the world proving my system. What were the results in three years in a public software company? We had a 96% win rate. Wow. Three That's years, incredible. 96%, 48 out of 50 major deals. And I, I only say that because I'm trying to impress your audience to say, this system is so powerful. How you attract, how you acclimate, how you develop, how you care. You've got to have all four parts. And, and your system is only as good as the weakest part. But if you'll put those in place and it's in the book, it's in. you've got to read those things. Because if your competitors are and, and they know how to attract them, I stole the best software salespeople at every company. I stole them away. I just I cherry picked them. And, and, and real quick, uh, I, recruiters were calling my people every day. Now that would bother most people. I took that as a badge of honor. If you're not calling my people trying to steal them, I probably don't have the best people. Right. For sure. So. For sure. So, oh my gosh, that's so much information. Um, where's the best place to find the book? Yeah. I, I mean, go to Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble locally. Uh, it's now in uh, ebook. So it's in hardbound. It's an ebook and it's also on Audible. For those people, and I have a lot of clients now. It's fascinating, and prospects and friends. They're actually listening to it while they're reading it. That's a new trend. It really is a thing, and it yeah. seems to work really well for absorption. Yeah, to take notes, to capture the notes in the book as you're listening, yeah. and, and know exactly where it is in there. Because they're, they're, these are not tips and tricks. This, this is a, a, a phased approach. Uh, it's sequential principles. Uh, there are a lot of formulas in there. There's a lot of processes. There's a lot of tools in there. I've spent 20 years proving uh, that you've got to have in your toolkit today. If not, you, you are not ready to compete. Okay, so I'm reading the book right now. Okay. I highly recommend everybody else yeah. go read the book, go get the book, go read it, read it three times. Um, but now, 
Yeah. It's time for the zingers. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me sit down. So we, I, we, this has been amazing. I knew it was going to be. So thank you so much for all that information. I know yeah. that there, people are going to have to go back and listen to this three times because yeah. there was just so much information. Yeah, in I really want to help them. I really want to teach them. My, my mission in that is to help a million entrepreneurs and employees become millionaires. That's a so great. I appreciate your help doing this. Absolutely. I may yeah. be one of them. You, I, never, I, you will be one. I will be one of them. So, <laughs> but until then, yeah. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, mm -hmm. what three things or people would you take with you? Oh, people. Well, gosh, if I wouldn't say my wife, I better not go home tonight. So <laughs> my wife, a doctor and a botanist. Uh, why the doctor? In case I get ill or something happens. You, you, health. Okay. You don't have your health, it's over. You, yeah. You could be That's good. on any planet. Yeah. And then the botanist to grow food. Absolutely. I totally get that so, one. So yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say Elon Musk after uh, talking about him earlier. I don't know him. <laughs> so you only take people you know, right? He might. I might use his spaceship to get there. There you go. Yeah. And to get back. Yeah. Because you're supposed to come back in. That's it. right. And I talk about in the book that that's an FMP is how do we get to Mars, and and the issue is how do we learn to hibernate people? Mm. That's almost the only way. Yeah. For because sure. Because you just can't carry the food and water to to transport a team for that time, and the weight. So if we can learn to hibernate. Like a bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm super curious about this because you are yeah. so successful. Well, thank you. So thank you. what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Um, so it, it depends on the day. Um, I do look at the stock market to see what's going on in the world. I do read some quick news. Um, I, I do look at sometimes the, the YouTube channels to see how things are going. I also look at uh, my emails to see what 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 events we have coming up that Heather's putting together. So I, I kind of do a scan of, of where things are and then kind of plot the day of, of what do I need to get accomplished and, and kind of break it into parts. So I have um, uh, the company work I'm doing, uh, the revenue growth company, the programs we're launching, uh, the events, and then um, I have three LLCs. So I have other companies, I have an investment uh, company, and then I have uh, the, the glamping business, which is about <laughs> air tents. And, and, and you just, get it. What's the YouTube channel? Yeah, it's uh, intense, I-N-T-E-N-T-S, glamping. Uh, that's the YouTube channel. It's intenseglampingusa.com is the website. But it's five years ago, I bought a tent from Europe that didn't have poles. It has air tubes, inflatable tubes. I think I now have 11 tents. Oh my goodness. And I've, I've, I've arguably, somebody told me I'm America's expert on inflatable tents from Europe because in America, they don't sell inflatable tents. They don't sell tents with windows. They don't sell tents that you can seal up and put an air conditioner in and yeah. a heater in the winter time. And so I've just started doing this channel and then one video blew up half a million views in about a year and made me a YouTuber. So see, you do <laughs> have fun. I, you know, you gotta have fun. You know, if you're not go do something else. Exactly. It, it, yeah, if you're, uh, uh, you, you can be fuddy, but not duddy. <laughs> that, that's kind of my rule. <laughs> I love that. Okay, my final question yes. for you. This has been great. I think I like these <laughs> questions better than the other ones. Um, so, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'd like for you to say it once more. Okay. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Uh, I'd, I'd probably give you the title of just teacher. Oh, interesting. My dad was a school administrator. Okay. And probably the greatest joy he got, he didn't make a lot of money, was just giving back and teaching people. I think that's what I did. 
You do do that, and you do it very well. Thank so what is the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, uh, uh, probably uh, info at revenuegrowthcompany.com. Uh, that's going to be the easiest way. And then uh, through the uh, website, uh, revenuegrowthcompany.com, you want to read my blogs, you want to get my articles. We're, we're launching programs right now. We're coming out with new group programs that are like, there's 15 to 20 elements that make them superior to a lot of the monthly group mm -hmm. programs that are out there. And the results are guaranteed which is insane. Can't beat They're that. They're affordable. I mean, you, you just really want to learn. You want to reach out to Heather at uh, revenuegrowthcompany.com and learn about these programs. If you're, if you're serious about your business, yes. if you're serious as a hiring manager, you're serious about getting on with a company that's really following uh, these principles, uh, that really wants to bring the most value to the marketplace and be paid for doing it, um, you want to be in that type of company. And um, yeah, because we, we look for people entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, they're aspirational, they're driven, and thirsty learners. I was having lunch with this guy yesterday and I said, the one thing about you and the CEO is every meeting I've had with you guys, you were taking copious notes. He goes, you can never learn too much. There you go. I think that is a great statement to end this podcast yeah. on. So Kent, I just have one last thing to say to you. Yes. You are a VIP. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.